Hospital. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to the On Blast podcast. Where, as always, we, we just like give you our thoughts. It's just my thoughts, man. Right or wrong, just what we're feeling at the time. So welcome once again, kids, to the On Blast podcast, a special, a special March Madness extravaganza. I am so Sheldon Alexander. This is March. Welcome to March. Uh, as always, I am Sean Alexander, joined by Andrew Webster. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Now, Webby, I got to ask you, why do you love March Madness? I love, okay, so here's the thing, Shelly. I mean, uh, I grew up in the States and I went to high school in the States. And a lot of my friends, I mean, all my friends growing up went to American schools, whether they're like Rinky Dink, Division Three, to like, I had friends who went to Penn State, whatever. I went to Dow, and I love the CIS, and I love the pride that it brings collegiate athletes in hey, Canada. Hey, Dow had a good weekend nothing. this week, right? Dow hey. had a good weekend this week, no? Absolutely, right? They won the East uh, Coast Championship, or the Atlantic Championship, I think. Yeah, they had, they had a good run in the in the CIS version of March Madness, the Final Eight, made it to the semifinals. For sure, but I, and I, as much as I love Canadian collegiate sport, it's nothing like American collegiate sport. True. Apples and, and oranges, for sure. And the show that they put on in March with this tournament that's been going on for, you know, just a little bit less than a century is is one of the greatest all-time sporting events that goes on. 64 teams. Everybody's got a chance to win. Single elimination tournament. Who's got the best basketball team? Whose kids are the best? I want to see it. Put it on the floor. And let's go 64 for three weeks like let's do it yeah man i mean i love march madness too and i mean we're we were kind of spoiled because we both grew up working at the score and there was i know you said this before on twitter and i second this every single year there was nothing better than those first two days well the first weekend really working at the score just because the vibe you're working with a bunch of sports fans everyone's on the same page everyone's got a bracket everyone's jacked up Everyone and and the beauty of March Madness to me is that nobody knows what they're talking about. You might have your Jay Billis or Jay Jason Williams, you know. You have some of your your ESPN guys or whatever, you know. Some analysts that you know are involved in it, right? But for the most part, Webby, back me up here. Most people don't know what they're talking about, and that's the beauty of March Madness. Anyone can win, and and. There's always going to be a bunch of yahoos like us trying to tell you now, hey, this is what we think is going to happen, but we're just like you ripping up our brackets come Saturday night, right? Listen, Shelly, I watch more college basketball than most just because of what I do for a living. And I'm looking at the 64 teams, and I'm telling you, I've never watched Iona play a game. You know? <laughs> yeah. you, you could spend your whole life researching this and we see guys that are hired by big uh sports networks down in the states that their whole career is based around these 64 teams and i will tell you that um you know my niece who will pick these teams based on their mascots has just as good of a shot at getting these games right as joe lenardi does i mean you're talking about it, this is the ultimate tournament this is kumite <laughs> this is blood sport on the hardwood, man. This is it, it doesn't get any better than this. It's like if North Dakota State is better than Gonzaga, it doesn't matter what numbers you put next to those teams. They're going to prove it out on the court. 
I love it, man. I get so fired up about it. And you're right about the score, man. We What was so great about what we did was that the passion behind it for the people who were doing it. Exactly. You know, that's what it's all about. Exactly. I, I agree with everything you just said about that. And, I mean, the other thing, too, with this tournament, to me anyways, is just the fact that as soon as 12 o'clock strikes on Thursday – it's just on and you're just automatically rooting for whoever that lower seed is or you're trying to get the extra points in your bracket tournament all that fun stuff right like let me hear Vern Lundquist at 12:15 on a Thursday afternoon and i the chest hairs are rising on my chest I, that's how excited i get about it i still you know, i, I still it. miss Gus Johnson that being though. said i've got the Michigan Wolverines in my final four. So who knows what's going on, you know? That's the beauty of it. As I said, the only guy, there's a couple guys that I'll listen to and we'll go through, we'll go through the bracket in a bit, but there's a couple guys that I like to listen to out there. And, and one being a uh, Jay Billis, Jay Billis, I think is one of, of the course. best like college bas- basketball analysts out there. And listen, uh, any guy who drops that many young Jeezy lines during the broadcast, like, that's my guy. Exactly. Like, of course, I'm going to be behind Jay Billis 100%. Right, Webby? You, you know me too well. You know me, to, you know me too well to know that obviously one of the main reasons why Jay Billis is my guy is because every morning on Twitter when he wakes up, he drops a young Jeezy verse <laughs> the best. and then says, I got to go to work. How, how am I not going to love that guy, right? So uh, Jay Billis, uh, are you familiar with Ken Pomeroy? Ken Pomeroy has a, the site, oh, Ken Pom. Right. Like that's an interesting stat for all my like numbers people. And, you know, if you're one of those like serious gamblers getting ready for March, KenPalm.com is definitely something to check out. Gives you a little yeah, breakdown listen, on Ken everything. Ken loves those RPI numbers a little more than I do. Yes. Yes. It's definitely a, it's very nerdy, but it's definitely another side to uh, March Madness that like if you're into that and numbers and probability and like all these different statistical breakdowns, that's the way you can right. go. But for us, Webby, I feel like we're going to have a lot more fun just discussing the reasons why we pick certain things. Like, I know there's certain teams I just don't trust, like Gonzaga. There's certain coaches I don't trust, like your boy Bill Self, right? So I, I want to get to I want to get to that stuff. And, and let's start with the number ones. I think that's a, a good place to start. No? Let's start now, with the were you ones. happy with the number ones? The number ones came out. Uh, a lot of people said that Duke should have gotten the number one. Now, what do you think? Do you think anybody was robbed on the number one seeds, or you have? I think the number ones are fine. I mean, Duke's case, I get that they beat North Carolina two out of three times. I get that. But I'm not going to give them that much of a factor because they just went on a run and won the, the ACC tournament. Cool, I give you a lot of credit for that. You get all the way up for a number two for that. But I don't think you should pass North Carolina and be a number one seed for just having a good run in the ACC tournament. Duke, to me, right. was too up and down throughout the year. Uh, they had a lot of weird stuff going on, if you remember the Grayson Allen stuff. Well, of coach. course we remember well, that, the listen, Grayson Allen coach stuff. Coach K didn't coach for, what, a month? Exactly. A, a little bit more than a month. He didn't coach the team. I mean, you want to talk about disarray in your program, but you get Coach K going with the talent. Like, I think Duke's got a lot of talent on the court, man. I really do. Oh, they definitely do. Luke Kennard has come on strong. Oh. And he seems to be like a real, real player. And it, it's funny because, you know, everyone hates Duke and everyone hates probably Grayson Allen, right? But Luke Kennard is like the opposite. Everyone seems to love Luke Kennard. There's not really a bad word out there about him, you know? And no. he might be the actual guy that will push Duke eventually. And, and and they will probably go as far as he's able to take them, right? 
people don't like Kennard flipping the hair, but whatever, man. Like the guy, I, I really think that the, that Luke Kennard is one of the best shooters in the NCAA. I really do, and and he's a delight to watch. Yeah, shout to Luke Kennard for sure. Uh, Duke, I don't know you. You've completed your bracket already. Uh, I've got yeah, yeah. I have. I've got two already. Yes, two brackets. So I was saying before we started recording, I was saying that I haven't finished my bracket yet. And the way that I normally go about it, actually last year was the first year I did not fill out a bracket. And the reason- Last year you didn't? I did not do a bracket. And you know what I did last year? Last year I focused more on just straight picking matchups and gambling. And there's also- you can make a lot of money just looking at the board in the first weekend, man. You yeah, really can. and like that was really my my game plan that I did last year. I didn't fill out a bracket. I just focused in on matchups and like I I saw what Syracuse was doing and I kind of rode them through the tournament yeah. for a bit, just betting on them as underdogs in individual games. And the other thing too that I found, oh, there was also another pool which uh, one of our coworkers puts on, which uh, is kind of off of Bill Simmons wrote about this a while ago, but it was like a an NCAA survivor pool. And what yeah, you have to do yeah, is you, you pick a winner. Pool before. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great way to watch a tournament. And it's just a lot of fun. So, I mean, this year I might fill out a bracket just for the normalcy of it. You know, like I felt kind of like left out, but I also don't want to ruin the vibe. Like the money train was good last year. You know, hey, I don't know if I want to do both. What's wrong with doing both? Do you know what happens to me, Webby? And I know this sounds stupid because I'm a grown man and I should be able to separate the two. <laughs> grown ass man. Right. But what ends up happening is I get to attach to the bracket because it's daily. You know what I mean? With every single game, you're updated and I'm so attached to it. So then you get jaded on your other moves. So you might see a game like the next game might be, I don't know, Oregon playing whoever. Right. And then yeah. instead of just okay, well, I'm, I don't have this team losing in my bracket becomes my main focus instead of, well, who are they playing? What's the spread? Should I take them? Do you know what I mean? Should I take them by this number? Like, I can't separate the two. So I think oh, what I need to do... You got to compartmentalize, exactly. man. You got to be able to take yourself out of the love of your bracket. You know you what know? ends up and happening? You got to just go based on what the numbers say to you betting-wise. Exactly, but I end up in like March Madness overload. Like I'm just too hype, right? You're like, <laughs> just does Virginia like... Tech really have a chance? Can we really do this right now? Exactly. It's like give me all the brackets, give me all the pools, give me everything. Ah, like I'm just like going crazy, right? Like it's like March Madness overload. But I need to fill okay. out a bracket and just put it aside. That's what I Shelley. need to do. And then at the end of the day, update it. That's what I should do. Shelley. Yes. Give me a double digit seed that's going to end up. In the Sweet 16. A double-digit seed making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. All right. So we'll, we'll get to this. We'll, we'll dig into this. We'll dig into this because I got, I got some numbers and stuff. Like some oh, crack oh, research went on too. Here comes the number. Right? So no, uh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is just like, you know, some, some friendly <laughs> help, let's say. Right? But I wanted to start with talking about the number one. So we, we, let's talk about okay. Gonzaga. Gonzaga seems to be a hot topic just because, you know. Of course. Every year. Every well, year. It seems how like we do this every year, Shelly. We definitely like, where do. where are we going to put Gonzaga in our bracket? Yeah, we definitely do, right? And this year, the p- kind of people were up in arms because it looks like they by far have the easiest side of the bracket, right? They're in the you West Regional. You think? I feel like that's been a lot of the talk. And I, I just think it's because you have a, I mean, especially when you compare it to the South, where you could have UCLA, oh, Kentucky, right. North Carolina, like you don't really get that star power in the West Region, but you still have some good teams, right? Like 
Arizona obviously is a solid team, but they're in the bottom half of the bracket. But when you look at that top half, what are you talking about here? So they'll be playing I'm you, man. Northwestern. I'm you that the winner, Notre the winner Dame. Of that West Virginia Notre Dame game. Yeah. If those two meet in that second on that second day, I mean, both of those teams have the talent and have the coaching that can topple a team like Gonzaga, man. So I really do. I think that you can you can press Gonzaga and you can shoot on Gonzaga. So here's, I really do. So here's the thing, Webby. Like most people are talking about, is this the year that Gonzaga? Like people are talking about, this is Mark Few's best team. They're talking about, is this the year that Gonzaga finally makes that run and breaks through to a Final Four? They got that number one seed. They've only lost one game this year, and I'm saying, like when I look at it, I really do think they have a pretty easy path. Now, with that said, I don't think they make it because, again, I just never trust Gonzaga because I don't think they play anyone ever, but. What do you think? Do you think this is a year they break through to the Final Four? I really, I really don't. And I'll tell you why. Because they're in that West region. And you mentioned them before. But number two, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you, Shelly, where is the Final Four this year? Where is the Final Four this year? That's a great question. I don't even know. Final where is Four it? is in Phoenix this Woo-wee. year. Woo-wee. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. I love I, – and, and, I really like this Arizona team as a college basketball team. I think they have a lot of the tools that make a really good team that can make it far in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They've got a uh, they've got a big man who can shoot. They've got a lot of great guard play, which is a lot like I mean why I like Kentucky and why I like a team. I mean like Michigan, you know, <laughs> like uh, like. If you can get a lot out of your guards and you can have a big man that can do more than one thing, you can have a lot of success in the tournament. Yeah. And I'm... the fact that Arizona has this Final Four almost destiny in their home state, it's been a little while since the Wildcats have been up, you know, in the top echelon of things. I really like what they can do this year. And I think that West region is the most ripe for a number one to go down. I mean, I, I really honestly, of Gonzaga, of the of the number one seeds this year in the tournament, mm-hmm. I think that Gonzaga is the weaker. Oh, I definitely I, agree with you there. Like, I'm never on Gonzaga's wave at all. Never on Gonzaga's wave. And the thing with them, to me, I know people are saying this is their best team ever that they've had. Or I hear that in, every in year with years, Gonzaga. Like, exactly. We're told the exact same story every year. Uh, the one thing I don't like about them is they play a slow tempo. And there are a few things, I know there's a lot of generic stuff that people throw out at this time of year because nobody really knows anything. Like, how many Gonzaga games have I really watched? But there's certain I, things that I, I like. literally watched, like, more, I would say more than most. You've, but, oh yeah, you definitely. But and, I don't mean to, like, I, I'm no, not no, 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 no. my horn in a good way, I'm tooting my horn in a bad way. No, no, no. Like, I've watched a lot of 11 o'clock Gonzaga games. Definitely. And I mean, for those who don't know, Mr. Andrew Webster is one of the best highlight guys in the country who job is to watch sports highlights. So definitely you have watched a lot more games than I have. But what I was trying to say is that like, for me, the way that I look at the tournament, there's certain things that I like to have for a team that I'm going to pick to win or make runs in the tournament. The first is guard play just because in all walks of basketball, even in from the NBA to high school, you go as far as your guards will lead you. And you need good guard play to win in this tournament. But the other thing is three-point shooting. And Gonzaga is not really that good of a three-point shooting team. And I think that, you know, when you, 
the style of play that they play where it's very up and down and it's very pace oriented, you run into trouble if you're playing pace with another team that can shoot threes and you can't. Right? That, Do you that, know what I mean? And that's why I really like Notre Dame. I mean, you look at Notre Dame, they played in a tough, the toughest conference in the country. Yep. And this is a team that all they do is come out and shoot threes. They've got guys who look like Foreman from that 70s show, <laughs> and they're just deadly from outside the arc, man. And if they match up against Gonzaga, I'm saying, man, look out. Like, I like Notre Dame a lot in this year's tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't, as I said, I haven't filled out my bracket yet, but I can tell you that I am not taking Gonzaga. I would have uh, Arizona going all the way to the Final Four in my West region. Um, yeah. Gonzaga, as I said, like, they're a tall team. They're a big team. Uh, again, you were talking about how you, you didn't really like the Ken Palm numbers, and I normally do, but in this case, you know, I kind of feel like the numbers do lie a little bit here, which is odd for me to say. But Men you lie. Know, women lie. Numbers don't. That's normally my line, but no, uh, Gonzaga is a top team in the Ken Palm ratings, and I'm not really buying it. Again, and the, and the reason for that is just who they play. I will never exactly. take them to 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 beat, like, you know, a big power ACC team, like, uh, let's say, Notre Dame, right? I just always find every tournament, every single year, what I do at Gonzaga, the first legitimate team that they play, I have them losing. That's where I'll take them to lose when I fill out a bracket. Every single year, and this year will be the exact same. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Now, we, we don't like Gonzaga, but who would you say would be your strongest number one of Kansas, Villanova, UNC, and Gonzaga, obviously not. Um, definitely UNC. So definitely UNC. Really? And I say that because, so Villanova, obviously I know you're a Nova guy. That's your hey, squad. Philadelphia 215, man. They still got Josh Hart coming back. Josh Hart playing well. Your boy, Chris Jenkins, living, living life off his big bucket last year. He had oh. his moment. Last year was literally their championship. I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to fate, like fall off in this tournament early. They could still make a very good run, but. I just don't see – when I look at last year's final, okay, I'm going to put right. it like this. When I look at last year's final, Roy Williams is a bad coach because you have the what best players. Here's the thing. Follow me for a second. Roy Williams always has players each and every year. There's no way that you're Roy Williams. You have the team that you had last year against a team that Nova had last year, and you don't run them out of the gym. Now, that's I crazy. give Nova credit. That's and I, crazy. I know it sounds because like I'm not giving Nova a lot of credit. I know that's what it sounds like. But I'm just saying, you play up and down. You don't really adjust. You don't really change anything year after year. It's like North Carolina, they recruit kind of the same kind of guys every single year, play the same kind of style. And this year, I just feel like they should get over that hump and actually win because they got a lot of their guys returning. It all comes down to Justin Jackson, who, you know, they they're need soft. him to play well. Shelly, they they're, are soft. They're soft. And that's why they're they lost soft, in the fi- That's why they lost in the Duke, finals last Duke year. Beat them, Duke beat them twice this year, man. It's UNC true. Is soft. I do not I do not disagree with you, Webby. But I'm just saying in terms of basketball players, because these are still kids. So so much of this comes down to coaching. And I feel like when you have so many good kids on your team, part of your job as a coach is to make them tougher, is to give them that sort of like, you know. I, I know it sounds cliche, but that rah-rah, like, pep talk, you know what I mean? And especially when you're going up at, like, a team like Nova, and you know the style that they want to play. This year, they play super slow, right? Like, they rank in, like, the 300s in terms of pace. They play super slow. They're going to grind it out, and that's the style of play that, that Villanova plays. I think right. you were lucky to make a run in the tournament 
uh, last year, kind of because depending uh, on the matchups and how the matchups all play out. But you find if they get matched up against one of those teams that can just shoot the lights out, I think Nova will be in trouble. That's just my opinion, Webby. That's just where we're going. That's just where I'm going here. As I look at the the East Regional, I'm guessing that you you disagree with me and you're gonna ride with uh, your boys at Nova. But they got some tough matchups there. Like I, one thing, first off, Wisconsin is not great, but Wisconsin will give them a matchup trash, in the second round. Trash. They're I'm not, not t- getting out of the first round. Trash. Oh, you think Wisconsin loses? Oh, I I can't think okay. of a worse eight seed. I couldn't think of a worse eight seed to pick than Wisconsin. I will say though that game, if they did play Wisconsin and Nova, would be the slowest, most boring ass oh. like forty five, forty two game that I just would only watch if I gambled on it. Listen, you 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 can't fill out one of these brackets without having a number twelve in your Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, and my number twelve in my Sweet Sixteen is UNC Wilmington. UNC Wilmington. Okay, so you got them beating Florida. Right. I got them beating Virginia. Sorry, and Virginia. Florida. My bad. Virginia and then Florida. Okay. Yeah. See, that's funny because I have the big my my dudes from ETSU beating Florida. I'm going to take that as one of the upsets in the first round. You like Eastern Tennessee? Eastern Tennessee. Let's let's roll here. I like I like taking some of those some of those upsets there. I think it was a down year for the SEC. And yeah. I, I, oh yeah. The SEC, SEC is just is trash. trash. And Florida's best player is out for the year. Yeah, like they are very, very vulnerable, I think, heading into this tournament. And yeah, I mean, when you look at what Villanova's gonna do, what I'm saying is Webby, I just don't think they'll they'll win. I don't think they'll repeat as champs. They can still make a run because I don't see them running into trouble really against anyone in that top half of their bracket. Their trouble might come. They might meet up with Duke, and I think that would be a great matchup if they meet up with Duke again. Yeah. And I think Duke that, would be that, the that's team. That's the game to I want to see. Yeah, I think Duke will be the team to take them out. And and my advice too here, if for you guys that are filling out brackets, depending on the bracket that you're trying to do, if you get extra points for picking out uh, upsets in the early rounds, have your ones and twos make it through. This is yeah. a top heavy tournament. Most of the ones and twos are legit. Most of them are not going to slip up before the Sweet 16, I don't think, in my opinion, right? Well, I was going to say, that being said, where do you have Kansas losing? So Kansas, as I look over to my Midwest region, the thing with Kansas— Where do you have them losing? Because you can't have them in your final. No, I definitely do not have them. They're not going to make it. I do not have them. Uh, See, that region I have is very interesting. Kansas, though, will get a tough matchup against Miami. Miami will give them a scare. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Miami beats Kansas, to be honest. Kansas, really? Kansas, I think, is just vulnerable as we like yeah. round out. We've talked about the two other number ones. And my thing They lost to TCU like a week ago. Exactly. And I just think there's a lot of bad karma, bad juju floating around Kansas right now. <laughs> when you look at the whole Josh Jackson situation, Josh what's Jackson going on there? Pushing, like going Randy Moss and pushing right? uh, like, like parking enforcement officers. Well, also, like, isn't it? Doesn't he have something going on with someone, uh, one of the women on the on the girls' team as well? Like, no, no, no. That's that's. I think that's LeJared Vick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, okay. no, no. Well, Jackson got into it because uh, on his teammates' behalf, but I don't think that's Jackson. Oh, uh, well. My my point though, there's just a lot of ish going on around Kansas right now, and I I'm a big karma guy, and I feel like. That yeah. is one thing that I'll, I'll stay away from Kansas. And also just Bill Self is a chump. 
every year Kansas has these. Every year Kansas is like a one seed or two seed. They they dominate their conference. They get into the tournament, and then just look at some of the teams they've lost to over the years in the tournament. They've lost to Bucknell. They've lost to Bradley. Uh, North Dakota they State. lost to North. They lost to Wichita State. They lost to Bradley. They got Farouk Manesh. They got Farouk Manesh. Right, like. Every year, it's just something with Kansas. And the year they did get through and win, that was against Memphis, right? And Memphis right. just choked Derek away. Rose. The Derrick Rose, Coach Cal's team, missing free throws. They just yep. choked that away. And your boy, Mario Chalmers, right? Coming up with that <laughs> big three to send it to o- OT. But, I mean, every year, Kansas is just really underachieving in the NCAA tournament. And so I give them, you know, as I said, the things I like to look at, guard play, coaching. And coaching is a big, big thing. And I feel like Bill Self is just one of those guys that, you know, the buns kind of get a little tight when he sees certain teams or certain coaches across from him. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, how can your team constantly? Again, and and I know I I was talking about Roy Williams earlier saying that I think Roy doesn't do as good of a job as he should with the talent that he has. But at least Roy... Roy has better players consistently. They're more battle-tested because their conference is better. Kansas just is always there, and then they always just disappoint each and every year to me in the tournament. So when I look at uh, Kansas' side of the bracket, um, I don't know. As I said, I think Miami gives them a good go. Uh, I see Iowa State or Purdue, whoever comes out of that side. I see. Yeah. I don't see Kansas making it past there at all. I love I love Vermont against Purdue. Ooh, okay, okay. That's I love a juicy one. Catamounts, man. That's a juicy one. I, I like them. that. I like that. That's a juicy one. I, I, I could get on board with that, Webby. I could get on board with that. I like that one. But yeah, I, I don't see Kansas making it to the Elite Eight. I see Kansas losing to either they're going to lose to Miami or Iowa State, Purdue, whichever one you have coming out of that side. That's where I yeah. see them losing. Uh, who's the last number one we haven't talked about? Oh, we talked about it tomorrow. No, I think that's it. That's it. So out of that, I have UNC making it to the Final Four. Okay. I have Kansas losing in the Sweet 16. Villanova, I could see them. They'll face off against Duke. Haven't really decided what I'm going to do yet in that corner. Right? Haven't decided yet. Duke, Villanova, not really sure what I'm doing there. As I head over to the West, I have Gonzaga making it through just because I feel like that side of the bracket is super easy. They could get a tough test against Notre Dame but they definitely are not getting past Arizona. So no Final Four again for Gonzaga, if you ask me. And so far, I haven't filled up my bracket yet, but I think North Carolina might be my winner. I'm not, I'm okay. not fully there yet, but that's where, that's where I got the number ones going so far, Webby. What about you? Okay, here's what I got. I got Kansas losing to Iowa State Okay. in the round of 16. I got Michigan going Michigan? to the Final Four. You got to give Michigan really, credit for their I mean, run. You want to talk, about, final you floor, talk about getting hot at the right time, which I think is really underrated when it comes to, to how we uh, analyze these teams. And nobody's been on a better run than Michigan. I mean, going from that plane crash, that averted plane crash, to winning the Big Ten and uh, having their players come on at the right time. I think the Midwest is probably about the weakest conference. Uh, if you can... If you can get past Louisville, and I think that uh, Michigan's got the shooting to do it. If if Michigan beats Louisville, I think that their path to the Final Four is like written in stone. I, I like I like Oregon a lot, but I think losing Boucher 
is uh is a lot more important than a lot of people in the media are giving it. Like a shot blocker like that losing that for Oregon, I think that they make it a couple of rounds, but uh, I, I like Michigan. I've got Michigan in my final four, which is kind of my like reach pick. Uh, if we go to the South, uh, North Carolina, like you say, they got the talent to make it to the Elite Eight, and then uh, I've got Kentucky losing to Wichita State, and I've got UCLA getting through. Okay. And uh, I got UCLA going to the Final Four in that. I got them beating uh, North Carolina. Uh, move over to the West, and I've got Gonzaga. We talked. We don't really like Gonzaga. They're in a tough bracket, and uh, I said the winner of that Notre Dame-West Virginia game will beat uh, Gonzaga. And I got Notre Dame making to the Elite Eight against Arizona, but Arizona winning, making it to the Final Four in Phoenix, which would just be insane. And then, uh, man, in the East, we we talk about some of the best college basketball teams that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two Florida teams that went back-to-back, yeah. I know that Villanova doesn't have the, the, the kind of guy in the middle like Yoki They don't have the star power of the NBA players, but I know what you're saying, like, team aspect. But a Josh Hart, a player of the year candidate, somebody who's played so well all year and had some up-and-down games, but it is mature enough to put it all together, man. I've got Villanova winning back-to-back. Holy I really shit. do. I think Jay Wright's the best coach in, in college basketball right now in terms of uh, what he does with the talent that he has yeah. uh, up and down the bench. Um, they they lose. The only guy really they lose from last year's team is Archie Denacchio, yeah. if yeah. I can say that right. But pretty much everybody else, I mean, you look at uh, 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 the, the, the Jenkins is back, and, uh, and, and, and that kid Brunson is really good. Jalen Brunson is really good, and I think that this he might have player of the tournament written all over him if he can come out and do what uh, what, what he's got the talent to do. I, I love Villanova. I think that Villanova-Duke game in the Elite Eight has got a, you know, that's going to be one of the all-timers to get into the Final Four. Like, that's, that's a game that you're going to want to take off, get the 12-pack of beer, get the nachos in the oven, and just make sure that you're tuned in, ready to go at tip for Villanova Duke. Now I say that, and now it's going to be like UNC Wilmington SMU <laughs> in that Elite Eight. But no, but Villanova Duke that 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 got marquee matchup written all over it, man. I can't wait. Yeah, man. I mean Villanova. The other thing too, you mentioned Jay Wright, and you know I talked about coaching. Coaching is such an like I know this sounds so cliche and so like you know, obvious that coaching obviously matters in the NCAA tournament. But when you, when we, I'm talking about, you know, you have guys like Bill Self who always seem to come up a little short or even uh, Roy Williams who, who doesn't get the most out of his teams. We'll say Calipari is a coach that is a great recruiter, but you know, for lack of a better term, ends up coming off as one of those like roll out the ball and play type coaches. You know what I mean? Uh, Jay Wright, kind of goes the opposite way where he just seems calm and cool in whatever situation, you know, yeah. and, 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 and just, just trying to give a perfect example of what I mean in terms of coaching styles and how coaches, you know, not to get too body language expert, but look at like Sean Miller in Arizona, right? Sean Miller, remember yeah. he had to like switch his shirts at like halftime because he's just like sweating through like all his shirts. Right? Shelly, there's nobody better than Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech. For sure. out with like a three-piece suit. I did see that earlier this year. T-shirt and underwear. 
is amazing, right? But like, I think back to that Final Four moment. Remember, they had the ISO cam that was only oh, on Jay Wright. Yeah, he wasn't even watching. He was so calm and cool. He like just knew it was going in. He didn't really celebrate as a shot as like one of the craziest shots in March Madness history goes he in. Crazy. And, and he's just calm and cool. Like nothing happened. Just like, yep, that's how I drew up the play. Like, I think that was one of the most gangster moments, but it also just shows a good coach that just, I, I know this is a big term right now in Philly, but a good coach that just trusts the process. Hey, I got uh, my guys prepared, right? But follow me for a second, right? I got my guys prepared. I dropped the right. play. We know the style of play that works for us. We're going to play our game and we're just going to trust the process. Here's a play. They ran it to perfection to get, Jenkins an open shot and Jay Wright just calm and cool like yeah and that's of course it went but that's what I'm saying about this year I mean like like you say you trust the process and this is another year of the process and oh, this I hear is you. like I hear you. another year of what Jay Wright's built so much to become and they lose one or two guys and and they they fill those roles with but sometimes even better guys. So I, and, and I look at that East region and especially like, I mean, you like Wisconsin in that second round, Virginia, it, it, they might be able, but Villanova knows how to play slow games. I yeah, mean, like I just Villanova, think that they're going to be a successful team. That's what I'm saying. Like Wisconsin will play them close. I think Villa or whoever Virginia tech will play them. you know, sorry, I'm going to go Wisconsin in that rat in that first game there. But I just think that, you know, Villanova will make it through, but really the matchup I'm looking forward to is Villanova against Duke. And that's yeah. where I'm thinking, you know, I might have to give Duke the edge because I think Duke might just have the better team. And Coach K, you know, like that's that's just going to be a tough matchup, but it's just one of the matchups that I want to see. And, yeah. and you know, as much as people keep rooting for upsets in this tournament, which is so much fun and we all do it, here's a few things that I just want to see, okay? Have all the upsets you want in the first couple rounds, but I want to make sure that we get to see Villanova play Duke, right, yeah. in the Elite Eight. I want to make sure that we get to see UCLA and Kentucky play each other in the Sweet yeah, 16. Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever happens before that doesn't really matter. I just want to, like, don't deprive us of that matchup where we get to see Monk and Ball go head-to-head in the Sweet Agreed. 16. And then even a UCLA-North Carolina or a Kentucky-North Carolina exactly, right? would be sweet. Yeah, nobody's complaining about that. Just let the South region play out so we get those couple matchups. I'm not mad at that at all. You know? And God, like, again, God, just watch out for Butler. Just watch out for Butler ruining all your dreams <laughs> of like seeing all these sweet matchups. Exactly, stupid Butler. Now, one more thing. You know, the, the, the one team and the one coach, yep. we've been talking all about like how you need good coaching to win these tournaments. The one team and the one coach that we haven't talked about that has a real chance to make it to the Final Four and even the championship game I know what you're gonna say. and even win it is Louisville. Say. Do you yeah. believe in I knew you were gonna say Patino and what the Cardinals do? Um, I do actually believe in Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is a proven coach, right? Like he's just one of those, like the resume is proven year after year. He's done it now at two programs. I mean, it's not like Louisville was anything really before Rick Pitino got there. And I have them actually making it through the Midwest. I have Louisville going to the final four. In that bracket. All right. We talked about it All already, right. right? I don't have Kansas going. We talked about how much I think Kansas is just going to lose somewhere, right? Like, they'll lose. We talked about that already. So, I'm going to take someone to make it to the Final Four from the bottom half of the Midwest. And just the way that I see that shaking down, 
I mean, I got Rhode Island winning two games. We'll get to another more of my upset picks coming up, but I have Rhode Island winning two games. Adam no love for Michigan. My final four pick. The problem with Michigan is, like, yes, they're on a good run, and they could make one of those Syracuse runs the wave, like last year. They're they on are, the wave. They are on the wave. They are. But I just feel like running into Louisville is just so unfair for them. You know, like, that's just where the ride ends because I think Louisville is just a legit team. And – one thing Patino has proven that he is able to do is just coach in the tournament. Because I feel like that's a very different skill set than just oh, coaching yeah. in the regular season and coaching even, you know what I mean? Like it's just a, a different skill set, how you how you make adjustments to the different teams you're going to play, how you deal with your team, playing on every other day in such big games at neutral sites. And Patino's that's just proven okay. that he can do it. I, I just think that Louisville's had a really good year, and I have them making it through the Final Four. Louisville. Louisville in my final four. I do. I do. Um, so we like upsets, right? We always try to let's try to help some people out and look at some like weird things that are out there for making upsets in your bracket. Right? Because I know a lot of people have pools where you get more points, right? Like for the difference in the higher seeds, right? That's something that happens in upsets are what the uh this is all about, man. This is what we live for. We live for the the twelve over five. We live for the, we we live for the. So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to point out some things that I think you know some good value. You know, like I'm not saying these things are gonna happen. I'm just saying there are things that I'm gonna look at and say, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if, or if I was in one of those brackets where you're trying to chase upsets. Here's where we're gonna start. Okay, so I actually like when you look at all of the ten seeds. I like all of the ten seeds to. Like, they have a very good shot. And first off, obviously, everyone's talking about Wichita State, who, for some reason, oh, as yeah. a 10 seed are six-point favorites. Like, they're six-point favorites over a seven seed. Like, how does that yeah. even make sense? That, to me, just points to the fact that uh, the committee kind of messed up on the seedings, right? Like, that's the only time you see those things happen, right? Like, that's just a right. weird, weird, weird thing that you would see uh, a 10 seed be favored over a number seven seed. So that's one 10 seed. Uh, Marquette. Marquette is another 10 seed, and Marquette's first round matchup here. Sorry, my bracket is uh, uh, Frank Martin and the South Carolina Gamecock. You, you, you like your boy Frank Martin? Frank Martin, I miss Frank Martin and K State just like yelling, going crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think his name is Sindarius Thornwell. Yeah. On yeah. South Carolina. Okay. SEC player of the year. Man, this guy is, he's a baller. I'm okay. telling you. So I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just saying Marquette plays fast. South Carolina is a very slow defensive Whoa, team, team yeah. right? Slow the ball down, grind it out, like wind down every single possession. I like in the March Madness tournament, especially in the early rounds where teams are playing a lot off of emotion and hypeness, you can get one of those teams that plays fast and they just run one of those slow defensive yeah. teams out of the gym. So look out for Marquette. VCU, okay. right? VCU, right? VCU is going up but, against St. No, Mary's. I kind of like St. Mary's. This is another team that I watch a lot of. And St. Mary's, Shelly, they have seven Americans yeah. and seven Aussies. <laughs> why do they, I feel they, like that's more of the reason why you like St. Mary's? More than anything they've done on the basketball court, Webby. You know, they, they're just beer drinkers. <laughs> Bring out beer drinkers, man. They're just gonna like you know how crazy Andrew Bogut is? Imagine seven of those guys on and, your team. And your man Delhi? 
<laughs> so here's here's seven of those guys on your team. So here's my thing with St. Mary's, right? So St. Mary's comes in as a seven seed. First off, VCU. I always shout out VCU for our man Sherman Hamilton. VCU hey. alumni. Sherm used to work with us back in the day at the big score. Sherm. Yeah, big at, Sherm. At, uh, yeah. He used to do our I March am. Madness c- coverage. One of the nicest dudes you will ever meet. Great, great mm-hmm. guy. So I'm always rooting for VCU anytime I see them in the tournament. And Shaka Smart. Yes, Shaka. I was able to I was able to interview Shaka Smart in the Bahamas Ooh. during a uh, during a battle for Atlantis. And he's the one of the nicest guys. So this is all just like good stuff on the side of VCU. St. Mary's, mm-hmm. my beef with St. Mary's is you just keep losing to Gonzaga all the time. And I don't think Gonzaga is that good. So by default, I don't think you guys are that good. So would I be surprised if you lost in the first round? Not really. Again, I preface this. We're looking for some value on some upset picks. So I'm just telling you the number 10s. Look for that, okay? Uh Twelve and the other one being Oklahoma State versus Michigan is tough. I'm not going to go against the Michigan wave there. I'm going to stick with Michigan and say that one will not be the the ten seven upset. I will I will play devil's advocate to my own final four pick. Oh, that, Oklahoma, that State. Oklahoma State has one of the best point guards in the country. That will be a great <laughs> game though. That will be a great first oh, yeah. round match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they have one of the one of the best rated offenses in the country. Okay. Like, Per some crazy math stat that I don't really understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they and they have a good point guard. Okay. And, okay. And, and they play from Oklahoma, man. How can you have a for Oklahoma team? You so, love the tens. I love the twelves. So twelves are always a thing. I right? love the twelves this year. Twelves are always a thing. Uh what's the first twelve you want to look at there, Webby? Okay, can I tell you about the UNC Wilmington team? Sure, please. Okay. I've got them going to the Sweet 16. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, bro. Okay. They have two. They have legit two um, really, really good players. They have this kid, C.J. Bryce, okay? He, he's a slasher, and he can hit the outside shot. He's a he's a guy that you, you'd expect to see on a college basketball team. Then they have this other kid named Kaycock, all right? Okay. And he leads the NCAA in field goal percentage. All right. I forget what he's I was listening to like, the other day. He's missed and like 45 shots all year. That's it. I forget who it was I was listening to the other day. Was it the Lebitard show? And they were raving about Kaycock, obviously because of his name, but then also just because like he's a great, great player as well. Dude, he's a beast. And if they can get those two guys working against uh, Virginia, like that's – listen, UNC Wilmington is a really dangerous team. I love them as a 12 against the five. You mentioned Nevada. Yeah. And I've heard some Nevada like wave going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing though, hold on, like sticking with your UNC Wilmington. Hey, oh, yeah. If we want to get Virginia out of here, I'm always down for getting these slow ass. Yeah. Let's grind down. The defensive the team out of yeah, here. yeah. 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 I'm no, always for it. that. Really good coach, but I don't, I don't want to watch that style of basketball. Hell nah. Not trying to watch Hell those nah. 20 to 19 first, first half score lines. No. I'm not about that life. So, yeah, we were talking about Nevada over Iowa State. That would be an interesting like matchup. That. That's, an, that's an interesting matchup. I could see that one being tight for sure. And I mentioned earlier, we uh, we mentioned a 13 seed, right? East Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee State, right? You like Eastern Tennessee State. Over Florida, right? I, I think they do have a, a definite chance for an upset there. Yeah. I, definitely I don't that. like Florida this year at all just because their big shot blocker got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, also I, sticking in that reason that region too, if you're looking for, you know, a, a surprise team to win a couple games, 
I like SMU winning a couple games. Yeah, no, no, no. SMU's legit. Yeah, I, I like them. Legit. And they get to play Baylor. Yes. They get to play Baylor, and Baylor is not good. No, 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 no. So that we agree on that. Yep, we do agree on that. Um, what else do I got here? I mentioned that Nevada. We talked about Nevada. The reason why I, I have Nevada though, Webby, is they have two pros on their team in Cam Oliver and Marcus Marshall. Right is an NBA ready guard, like right now. Yeah. So, and yeah. what we talked about, the first thing that I like when we're picking teams to make runs of these small schools that you might not be familiar with is do you have good guard play? Good guard play wins in the NCAA tournament. You'll hear people say that and it'll sound cliche, but then you'll watch the games and you'll realize that the teams with the strongest guards uh, normally win. They tend to win. Yeah, you can have a plug in the middle that just grabs rebounds and might block shots or whatever. You need one of those guys, but they can literally be a plug. But you need a guard to to run your offense and really be, you know, really be that 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 key driving force to how far of a run your team's going to make. Uh I mentioned earlier as well, Rhode Island, I have them winning two games. So yeah. obviously that means a first round a first round win. And uh, Minnesota, I have losing as well, just because screw yeah, them. Yeah. Like, Everybody loves Middle Tennessee State, and you're going to see them almost be a favorite against uh, whoever Minnes- they Minnesota. End up playing. Minnesota. Like, uh, oh, sorry, against Minnesota. Yeah. Middle Tennessee State, everybody is on them. Exactly. Um, so there was one last thing I wanted to, to, to just go over here, Webby. And this was kind of like just a numbers game. And this is for the okay. stat heads and just something to think about as you're going through the numbers. These are just like, this is just like recent history of things that have gone on in the recent tournaments. Okay. So okay. follow me here for a second here. Okay. So over the last five years, 11 and 12 seeds have won more first round games than nine and 10 seeds. <laughs> right, awesome. so that's something to keep in mind. Fifteen seeds have won four games, while thirteen seeds have only won three. So, like when you're looking for these upsets, there there are a lot of good upset picks there. But yeah. the underdog has won half of the matchups for the five and t- for the five and twelve, and the six and eleven matchups. Remember that the underdogs have won half of those matchups. So when you're looking for your pools, we just gave you a bunch of different numbers there, but the five and twelve. And the six and eleven. Remember, fifty percent of those games have been won by the underdogs over the last five years. Okay, yeah. so we're we're not just pulling stuff out of our asses. This is numbers to back it up. Uh, yo, men lie, women lie. Right, numbers don't. Here's some more facts to throw at you as well. An eleven seed has pulled off an upset in the last twelve years in a row. An eleven seed has pulled off an upset for the last twelve years in a row, and six uh-huh. of the last seven years they've pulled off two upsets. Right, right. So okay. go back through, look at your 11 seeds. Remember I said Rhode Island was one team I threw at you. I'm yeah. just saying there's numbers here to back these things uh, up. Kansas State, Kansas State became an 11 seed tonight. Right, and we and know that. Up, I think they put up 96 points. And we know that one of those play-in game teams normally will win a couple games, right? That's a thing yeah. that we've noticed that's happened since these playoff over. games. have Ooh. These play-in games have been a thing, right? So now when we look at number one seeds, number one seeds are still 128 and 0 in the first round. But in the second round, a number one seed has lost in five of the last seven seasons. So if you're looking at a number one seed to go down in one of those in the second round, we mentioned earlier, we think that the two number ones that are most susceptible would be Kansas and Gonzaga, right? 
but Kansas for sure we looked at as being that number one team that could go down in the second in the second round. Right? I don't see I don't see Northwestern or Vanderbilt beat Gonzaga, but I could see Michigan State or under Miami. Izzo getting hot with that Miles Bridges kid or Miami who has some big time wins this year as well, right? That oh, wouldn't be that shocking listen, at all. Tim Laranega knows how to coach a basketball team, I'll tell you that. And he knows how to get down in the locker room after, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's, not, that's why I want them to be kids. <laughs> okay, so let's see. The other thing to remember, too, with, with your number one seeds, and this might be a different year because we already told you we don't really like Kansas and we don't really like uh, Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four, right? And the numbers, yeah. again, back us up here. Over the last seven seasons, only eight number one seeds have made the final four. Follow me again. I keep repeating these stats again, so you're picking up what I'm putting down here. Over the last seven seasons, only eight number one seeds have made it to the final four. In 2015, three number one seeds made it. Every other year, just one number one seed made it to the final four. So that's something to keep in mind here. We're telling you to ride either North Carolina or Villanova. But the numbers are in the favor that only one of the number one seeds make it to the final four. Just something to keep in mind. Three things that you don't want to be. You don't want to be a three seed, a six seed, or for the Pac-12. Reason being, with a three seed, a three seed has not made the final four since 2011. A Pac-12 team has not made the final four since 2008. But who was that team in 2008? In 2008, that Pac-12 team was, who was that in 2008? That was probably UCLA. It was UCLA, I think. Let me see here. Um, I feel like it was UCLA. Because that's what I'm going against with you. I love UCLA coming out of that South region. I really do. Yeah, and I mean, you're right because it's one of those things where finally it will be a a good look for the Pac-12. Because I will say normally... I'm I'm betting against the Pac-12 any chance I can get. I always think Pac-12 players are not really good in the NBA. I always think Pac-12 players never do the job when it comes down to it. I always feel like they in they come up short. And in basketball, by the way, right? Like it's it's just it's one not, of those things. Had in football as well. It's true. It's true. You make you make very valid points, and you're right. It was UCLA that year. That was the team, and it could be UCLA doing it again this year with your man Lonzo Ball, right? That oh. could be a thing. The Ball family. Future seventy um, sixer Lonzo Ball. Right, right. How much would you like to see him in a Sixers uniform? Uh, him or Malik Monk? I'll tell you that. Okay, uh, let's talk a little about Lonzo Ball. Obviously, his dad Lavar has been making headlines. Uh, big baller uh, t-shirts. Big baller. What what do they call their squad? Three Bs. What is it? Big baller. Big baller something. I don't know. Big baller <laughs> brand. I think that's what it's called. Big baller brand. Yeah. So so I mean, his dad has been everywhere from first take to Skip Bayless's show. Uh, they had a really good interview a couple days ago. I saw on uh, ESPN with uh, Scoop Jackson. So you've probably seen the headlines come across your uh, Twitter timeline or your Facebook page of with course. LeVar Ball saying that he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, saying his son uh, Lonzo is better than Steph Curry. All these things. And people seem to be upset at this guy. I'll be honest with you. I've done a complete 180 on LeVar Ball. I'm on Team LeVar Ball. <laughs> You're pro-LeVar Ball? I'm pro-LeVar Ball. All he's doing is tr- is trying to put on for his son. Would we even know that much about the Ball's 
like he's good and obviously UCLA is having a great season but we wouldn't be talking this much about about Lonzo Ball or about his son his other son LaMelo Ball who is starring in uh in uh in high school chucking up half court shots scoring 92 points in a high school game like right. all the dad is doing is just putting on for his sons and allowing them to be successful in life. I have no problem with that. We talk so much about, you know, all these NCAA kids or like NBA kids that grow up with no fathers and like the fathers aren't there. Here's a dad that is giving a pathway. He's he's very active in his kid's life. And is it possible to be too active? I don't think so. I mean, we live in Canada where hockey dads, you know, building the rink in the backyard and having the kids, you know, skate around all winter in the freezing cold. Like we live in in Canada where that's like the norm. Here's a dad who, yes, he's doing interviews and he's doing all these things that are drawing attention to his kid. But in the age of 2017, where Instagram and Twitter headlines are a thing, is that a bad thing for his kids? I don't think so. I think if his kids don't do well at the next level, people are going to blame the dad. They're not going to blame the kid. So I think he's giving them kind of like a shelter to just go do work. And if it doesn't work, the dad's going to take all the bullets for him. No? Well, here's my thing about LeVar, man. It's like he doesn't seem to be doing it the uh, smart and like new way. He seems to be trying to doing it the old way, like going on TV and like, like you say, like showing up on ESPN and having interviews with the first take and Scoop Jackson. Whereas what you really want, if he was really smart, he wouldn't even be trying to get his name. Definitely get what he's trying to say about his kids out there, but there's way smarter and better ways to do it that would draw in the kind of audience that he's looking for. They're going on TV. Like why not take advantage of social media? to get the word out about LeVar Ball, about uh, uh, Lamar Ball it's uh, so Lonzo it's, Ball. Is so, it Lamar? No, so the oldest Lonzo one is Lonzo. And- the second one, the, the oldest one is Lonzo. He's at UCLA. The yeah. second one is a senior in high Lamello, school. Lamello that's, Ball. No, that's uh, LaAngelo Ball, who they call Jello, And then LaMelo Ball is the kid who's supposed to be the best. He is in right. high school. I think he's a high school freshman or sophomore, I think. So these kids they, these kids have already become like viral stars, and the dad seems to be just like bringing down their stock by going at this. See. I understand what he wants to do. And like you, I agree with it. Like go out and like put your sons out there and like be their spokesman. But he's doing it in a totally like 20th century way. When he should be doing it a 21st century way, you know? He should be out there trying to get these kids as viral sensations rather than putting his face out on stupid Skip Bayless. See, but I go the, I go the other way on that because I think that's exactly what he's doing. Every time he goes on Skip Bayless's show, he gives that, that, he gives a hot take hotter than anything Skip has said, and now that becomes the headline. Whether he's on First Take, whether he's on Skip Bayless's show, whatever's going on, we're talking about the Ball family name as he builds this brand. And, I mean, yeah, it might be going over the top, but I feel like in this era of 2017, when our attention spans, you know, there's always something coming up next, right? There's always another Trump headline, or there's always another Kardashian naked pick, or whatever, Like, we're moving on to the next headline so quickly, and all he's doing is continually giving a headline so that the Ball family name is still in the news each and every day. 
are, is there a better way he could go about it than saying that he could beat Michael Jordan in one on one, or that his son is better than Steph Curry right now? Of but, course, but of course, the middleman. Cut out the middleman. Like, why do you need to go on ESPN? You could be doing this on your own Instagram account. Well, here's the like, thing: because he, he taking way more, you but, could be taking way more ownership over this than like. But I already think ESPN I already think that's what he's doing, right? And 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 the other reason why I I give him a lot of credit too, like I did some reading up on what kind of his deal has been, and he's kind of been counterculture the whole way too, which I respect along the way, right? So oh, absolutely. He he was coaching his kids coming up, and the big thing that Lavar Ball wanted to do with his kids, he didn't want them. What happens in AAU ball is that somewhere along the way, every team has to sign and be a Nike team or an Adidas team. And he said, no, he's not making his, his sons join or be one of those teams because they planned on building their own brand. And this is from AU basketball. People told him he was crazy. His sons will never get a, a scholarship. They'll never be able to be at a, a competitive or a big-time D1 program unless they went and signed with one of the Nike teams or one of the Adidas right. teams. He didn't listen to them, and he kept going. Then when it came around to choose a high school, they're from L.A., and they told him, you know, these are the high schools you want to go to if your kids are going to get recruited and play big time NCAA basketball. And he decided that he was going to make his kids go to the local high school because he said, my sons are good. So I'm not going to send them to some, to, to another school or another program that someone else built. We're going to go to our local high school and we're going to build our own legacy at this local high school. And again, that's what he's done. And now his sons are going to UCLA and you've already committed three of your sons to go to, to UCLA, a program that obviously historically is one of the the most historic and well known franchises, the most historic, yeah, the most historic, right in the NCAA. But they've been down for a while. They had a couple a couple years where they you know they had the Kevin Love years or the Darren Collison, West Russy Westbrook teams, you know. But for the most part, UCLA hasn't been consistently good. But now he's giving you well, I mean, three years because he says all of his sons are going to be one and done because they're trying to get to the NBA quick. Yeah. He's just trying to make money for his sons and his family. No, and I, I've got no, I've got no problems with that. I got no qualms with that. I just like, I respect I his hustle. Want, I, I just want that family to be a little smarter about where we're at in terms of a media con, consuming society. Like he could be so much smarter than just going and feeding any ESPN. He could be making this all on himself. See, I think Rather he's than like he could be cutting out the middleman. But I, I think I he is, and I think he's using ESPN and using all these platforms because every time he says something, you know, like they're just coming at him to get another crazy headline, what we deem as a crazy headline, right? But as he deems as, hey, we're just building our brand. I think that he's using them to to keep his name and his son's names in the headline, but also so that you know, again, he becomes a story, and whatever his sons do. If they it's if they just, fail yeah. or they struggle, the blame is not going to go on them. Everyone's going to be talking about their dad and how hard the dad was on on them, right? Not about how Alonzo uh, struggled in the tournament and he exactly. went oh for whatever. Like I like it. And one of the funnier things too um, is Scoop Jackson asked him in the interview, and he was like, you know, what do you say to people that say that you're exploiting your kids? And he just sort of sat back and laughed, and he's like, our kids are already being exploited by college basketball. Like, what do you think UCLA is doing? Yeah. And it's like one of those you sit back and you're like, yo, my guy's right. So, you know, like, why not have them make the money? And all he's really doing, like, he's not going to come up with the, they're not their brand's not really going to be anything. He's just trying to drive up the number to eventually sign with Jordan or Nike or whatever when these guys make it to the league. Right. Like, he's just trying to drive up the number. 
That's what I think anyways, right? Like, I don't think no, they actually yeah, plan on right. having, like, the, the, the triple B's uh, shoes when they go to the league, right? Like, you know, like, break your ankle, your leg or twist your ankle wearing those, like, <laughs> bootleg shoes, right? But, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I'm, I'm for it. I'd like to see them make a run. And, again, I just want to see them get to that, uh, that Kentucky matchup. That's all I want to see because I think oh. that would just be amazing and set up perfectly for primetime television. For sure. That's what the people want to see. Uh, so overall, you said your winner of the tournament is Villanova. Villanova, yeah, I like Villanova to repeat. Okay, as I'm, boring as that sounds. Again, I have not filled out my bracket, which I know is kind of a cop out as we're taping this. This, but you know, I'm going to force myself to say I'm going to take North Carolina to win the tournament. That is what I'm going to say right here, right now. I'm making the All official right. pick against uh, Villanova, a rematch of last year's finals. See that I'm not sure yet. Don't don't force me into that. I'm not sure yet. I haven't filled out that part of it yet. I don't. Fine, know. fine, fine. I still don't know where I'm going yet. Duke versus Villanova. Not sure yet where I'm where I'm going with that one. Um, but the other thing, Webby. So that's our March Madness preview. Hope you enjoyed. I want you guys to like hit us up and let us know what you think and how, and how you wrong your we were. Yeah, chirp us on that Twitter. Villanova's out in the third round. And, <laughs> and Gonzaga wins, wins a tournament. No, Gonzaga wins a whole thing against mm-hmm. like Kansas and we're just like two idiots. Let us know. Yeah. Tell us tell us how dumb we are. That's cool. But uh, the, I will uh, take it. I will take it right oh, on the chin. Gladly take it. Because again, this is one of the best tournaments, one of the best times in the sporting calendar. And it's all just fun because again, nobody knows what they're talking about with March Madness. Exactly. It's just so much fun. But one of the things I wanted to talk about as well, Webby, before we leave, uh, the last time we talked, you told me to go see Moonlight. Yeah, I did not go. Did I you see Moonlight? I did not go see Moonlight. I apologize sure. for that. I should have. But I did see the movie Get Out. Whoa. And what I'll say about the movie Get Out at first is when I saw the trailer, I was like, why the hell would I want to see this movie? Like, this does not look like something that I would enjoy. It's like this movie about a black guy that appears to be getting kidnapped by white people. Like, why the hell would I want to go see that movie? That was my first thought. And then obviously, as you know, the narrative kept building. It got the 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Yeah, a a lot of good buzz. A lot of good buzz surrounding it. And then a lot of people around me saw it. A couple of people we work with, uh, Grambo saw it and, and told me he really wanted to know my opinion. One of my best friends also saw it and he was just like itching to talk about it. So I felt like I need to see this movie. So I did. And it was spoiler alert. We're not like if you haven't are, are seen. We, are we, we're, we're avoiding. We're, we're going right into spoilers. Yeah. Like screw that. Like if we're telling you about the movie right now, if you don't, if you haven't seen the movie and you plan okay. on seeing it. See ya. Enjoy March Madness. Figure out your bracket. Cool. If you have seen the movie, let's talk about this shit. What did you okay. think, Webby? What did you think? I'm going to ask you first. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. I, I'm a, like, like we talked about last week or two weeks ago, I'm a huge movie guy. Yep. And uh, obviously, like, I ran into the buzz about this movie. I'm a big Key and Peele guy, too. Okay. So when I saw that Jordan Peele was doing a horror movie, I was like, all right, I'm already in. Like, I'm in. So I went to see it, and knowing that the uh, Rotten Tomato score was like 99%, I'm in there, and for about the first, I want to say half hour, I was like, this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm, I'm entertained or whatever. And then, what, like, once he goes into the dark place, yeah, and, and it just turned into, like, honestly, one of the better movies that I've seen in the last 
five, ten years. So what was and it that he, you liked about the way you? that he shot that, and the way the tone that he got from from the actors, and it just that bingo scene too was so chilling and weird and unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like it. I did like the kind of like aha moments when you're like figuring out that the bingo game wasn't really a bingo game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I I did enjoy those aha moments because they didn't really like punch you in the face with it. You know what I mean? They kind of just let it happen. And then you're kind of like, oh shit, like this is what's going on. Um, I did find it super interesting. It was very well done. Um, One thing I was afraid of in any conversation I had about with someone who hasn't seen it yet, I didn't want to say too much because I didn't want to sway their opinion on it. Because my biggest takeaway from this movie is that movie wasn't for me. And I don't think it was for black people. And, really? I, and, I, and this oh, is okay. So this might sound terrible, but I thought it was like very much geared towards like at least the stereotype of black people in movie theaters of like yelling out like "Don't go upstairs!" Like, <laughs> what are you doing? That's amazing. No, no, no. And I, and I thought the main character and and his and his buddy yeah. were very much like the like the voice of like, oh no, like that's fucked up, man. Like, like so. Don't, don't do that shit. That's crazy. So maybe I should clarify. I, I'm going to clarify this. Okay. So what I mean is I don't think the, the, because everyone keeps talking about the message that's behind this movie. Right. And like, you know, the plot twist and like the deeper meaning and all that stuff. Right. I think all that stuff was not meant for black people. I think there are definitely elements they added in like his, his buddy, who's a TSA agent, that guy's definitely there for the black people jokes. And like the overlapping in the movie theater, that's way too loud. If you see the movie in like Scarborough is a very different experience for sure. Um, But that's a topic for another day. But what I mean is, okay, all of the things that that's happening where like he's walking around and they had that montage where the woman's like, oh, you're so fit. You know what I mean? Like watching that as a black person, I'm like, okay, yeah, like I see what you're trying to do here and I get it. Like these are things that normally happen where I think that if you're a white person who doesn't really associate with black people or you don't really have black friends to hear those stories or to know that those things go on, I feel like you're watching that scene and you're kind of like, oh no, those things don't really happen. Like that's exaggerated. Or like the cop scene. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like this movie was kind of, it was made in the perfect point of, uh, society right now with this Trump America stuff and like the white supremacist stuff that you you kind of have a, a fraction of society that's looking that's being forced to look at themselves in the mirror and how they deal with racism and how they deal with a lot of different topics and I feel like right. that's what this movie's main focal point was to be like the twist of okay you know they're just examining or switching switching people's brains and like you know, like all that stuff is just there to like wrap up the Hollywood movie part of it. Right. But at its focal point in talking about how white people and black people deal with race, I feel like that part of the movie was there for white people. It wasn't there for me. It was kind of like, I'm watching this, I'm watching that whole scene that was like super awkward where you're in conversations and people are just saying shit. That's like so fucked up that you're like, Right. right. And it's like, as a black person, especially when you're living in, a predominantly white society or like, you know, work white workplace, or I went to like a white high school. You've had these, these very super awkward conversations so many times over and over again to where it's become for lack of normal. 
Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so like, there's no question like that someone could ask me like, oh, why are the inside of your hands white, but the outside of your hands black? Like you've been asked, oh, can I touch your hair? Like you've been asked so many ridiculous, like just crazy questions that like none of that is surprising. So seeing that in the movie as a black person, I was just kind of like chuckling along because I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. Whereas I feel like as a white person, and I can't speak for that, I'm not white, but I'm saying I my assumption is that that part, those parts were there to force these people to see these conversations and see them from the other side in terms of how ridiculous you sound when you're asking someone those things or saying like, oh, or you look very athletic. Like what? Do you know what I mean? Am I making sense well, here? I, I don't absolutely. know. Absolutely. But like as a white guy, yeah, I, I, I hear my black friends like bring up those things and I'm always like, like, uh, you know, I, I'd be out of there, yeah. you know? And, and like, Oh, I would definitely have take issue with somebody being that kind of like in not insensitive, but like just like that overt with it. And in the movie, I remember watching that scene and, be, and I was thinking to myself, like, "Holy shit! If I was that guy, I'd be out of there as soon as somebody <laughs> said something like that to me." It but was... like, I guess as a white, like as a white person, like I don't, re- I didn't realize how normalize that kind of speech is yeah when you're taught when you're talking to people who kind of aren't on the level well it's it's an interesting thing right and i think that obviously you have a different experience you grew like you've obviously grown up and lived in different places like different cities and all that have different like group of friends obviously now you live in toronto you 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 know associate yourself with people of all different walks of life so it's like even a different experience for you right but I, i feel like you know that movie was just forcing a conversation to a bunch of people to that never really would have looked at it in that way. may not have. Absolutely. Right? And so like you're, you're, and again, all those other bits that are surrounding it, like from a movie perspective, I was like, okay, I see where this is going. I knew early that obviously she's in on it too. Allison Williams, whatever her character's yeah. name is, Rose, I think. Or am I just making that up? I don't know. It doesn't uh, matter. Sounds right. Whoever Allison Williams' character is in it. I was like, you know, I see where this is going. Obviously, she's in on it too. I just didn't really know how, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but the other thing is too, I don't think that it's one-sided. Like, I know I, I just said how it's uh, laid out. And I didn't think the movie was for me, but I felt like there were specific scenes that were meant for me. One of those being, and I know it just came off as a comedic sort of scene, but when the TSA guy goes into the police station yeah. to report his friends missing, that was a scene that I felt was directly meant for me and black people. And what I mean by that is, because there's racism, and I know we get caught up in thinking that it's always just one-sided, but there's definitely racism within the black community as well, where like they go into this whole thing, and even just how the guy jokes, like, I told you not to go to them white people's house, like just joking around. Like there's definitely that level of racism on the other side as well. And I think like that scene was added like as a direct like head tap or like head nod, you know, or hat tip, sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. You know yeah. what I mean? To acknowledge a conversation I think most black people have had when, like, as he's trying to explain, you know, oh, he went to this house and they're all up in the woods and then he disappeared and blah, and she's just looking at him crazy and then calls in these two other officers to hear yeah. the story as well. And he just sort of laugh at it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, that scene was there for that. And also just a scene that... Um, which I also think will be read very differently. When he finds the pictures, the box, 
where yeah. it all like makes sense now. And he finds a box and finds that she's had all these other black boyfriends. I also think that was another part of, you know, that it that scene's gonna mean something to some people and it's not gonna mean something to others. Because, you know, people get typecasted or they think that, oh, this person just just dates black guys or this person just dates blondes or this person you know what I mean? Like those girls who just have a type. Like I think that was a directly skewed theme aimed towards a specific group of people. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense or if I'm just rambling, but like there's no. a lot of things that happened in that movie that I was just like, okay, I see I see what they're trying to do. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I, I think too. No, that's a good point. The weird thing too, Webby, was uh, just how it all wrapped up. I kind of thought like they wrapped it up as a movie, just kind of cheesy. Like I wasn't. Yeah, and well, I mean, the, the horror to. flick they isn't really to. the horror flick isn't really my genre. Like I'm a I'm a weird like sort of TV movie watcher. Like you yeah. know, I won't really do horror flicks or anything like that. Really, like it's not really my thing. So I get it that it has to wrap up in ten minutes. You know what I mean? Where everybody dies or all the bad guys die and, you know, one person's alive or whatever. But I thought it would have been a much more interesting movie if, you know, at the end when the police sirens come, what I thought was going to happen was it's the cops and they shoot and kill the brother as so, he's like sitting so over Allison. Is, is that originally how we had the ending? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did yeah, not know that. That's originally how we had the ending. So, but he thought that, you know, like, he, he wrote this, like, while Obama was still in office. Okay. And uh, after the Trayvon Martin thing happened and everything. Uh, and so And so he, um, so he changed it, like, to be a little more hopeful, not knowing, like, in the political climate that we'd be in right now. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, and it, that would obviously also change the tone of the movie. And I feel like that's For why sure. a lot of those comedic scenes were added to sort of add yeah. levity to a very serious topic. Exactly what you're saying, especially in this political climate, right? Like, think about if you remove all the TSA guy scenes, right? And like, even just how the movie ends where it is a TSA guy, they get in the car and it's quiet. And then he finally just, what's he say? He says something to the effect of, I told you so. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it adds levity to something that like if that scene's not there, you might have people pissed off. I think you still did have people pissed off at the end of the movie. But like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it just changes the whole tone and the whole narrative and the mood surrounding how people That's, felt about it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Now, the the, the one thing that I kind of like my one bad take because I thought it was a great movie I thought it was for a guy's first movie to bring up this amount of like conversation and uh, and, and praise is unbelievable but the one thing that I kind of took me away from it was how predictable it was because as soon as I saw Marnie as his girlfriend from <laughs> Curls I knew she was going to be bad like you and, you and I are big Girls fans as corny as it sounds I know you've been watching it since it's debuted. I, I definitely have. Many times about it. But you can't tell me that as soon as Marnie showed up in that movie, you weren't like, oh, this bitch is trouble. <laughs> it's so funny. And it, she was so perfect, too. Like, the scene. I know, right? What a great job in casting. Oh, like the scene where the shit's going down in the basement and they have the cutaway to Marnie. Like, she's in her room, like, listening to music. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just so perfect. Like she had that like devilish look in her face that was just kind of like, yeah, 
like it was it was perfect casting and she's so fucked up like on and i know i'm talking about her as if like that's her in real life allison williams but her character on girls like it definitely did jade my opinion as soon as i saw her in this movie as well because you're just thinking of her as being like that horribly annoying uggs wearing do you know what i mean basic bitch character do you know what i mean am i making sense it was it was amazing. It was great casting, though. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you like it, but you still owe me watching Moonlight. I do owe you watching Moonlight for sure. That is next on the docket. I gotta I gotta find that movie for sure and get that done, Webby. Um, maybe I don't know. Might have to wait though until after March Madness because the next few oh, 100% weekends are it's gonna have to wait till after March Madness. Next few weekends are, are all tied up. I mean, I'm kind of rattled. I got a wedding this Saturday. Oh I mean, shit! Who? Who schedules? Listen, I just got engaged. I'm not scheduling my wedding during the NFL season or during March Madness. <laughs> so yeah, Saturday night. I don't know what's going to happen there. I haven't looked ahead to the sched to see what games are on Saturday night, but uh, yeah. So it might have to wait me seeing Moonlight for a couple weeks, anyways. But it's definitely on the docket. Definitely something I got to do. And but in the meantime, we will be enjoying. March Madness, and somewhere along the way, you know, maybe after the first weekend or second weekend, we'll we'll get on and do maybe like a quick half hour, just what's yeah. going on in the tournament type thing, Webby. Sound like a plan? I'm in. I'm in for that. Sounds good. Well, until next time, as always, I am Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter, at Shell Alexander. I'm Andrew Webster. Holler at me, at awebster84. And I hope you enjoyed another episode of the On Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. See ya. On Blast. My whip drop. Like bitches' asses. Cargo. Ready to package. Paid up. I see haters watching. So fucking turn it up. Let these bitches drop it.